Well, would you turn with me again to Scripture tonight? We looked at previously Philippians, the fourth chapter. Philippians 4 and 19. Philippians 4, 19. Now, you remember last night we were excited about this? (laughs) Well, you can hear the enthusiasm, can't you, boy? (laughs) I'm not trying to work you up from the outside. All of us, you and me both, need to believe God and dwell on this until something begins to come up from the inside. Right? And uh, how can you tell if you're in faith about something? You get excited about it every time. Every time. If you're in faith about your healing, you are not crying about your symptoms. Right? If you're in faith about your finances, you're not pacing the floor, pulling your hair, worrying about your bills. You can't do both. I said you can't do both. When you get in faith, you believe God's heard your prayer. You believe he's granted your request and you are expecting, you're counting it already done. So it's just a matter of time before this thing turns around and it's not waiting to see if it's going to turn around. Has to, has to, because God can't fail. The word can't fail and you're not going to quit. So you get excited about it. You get excited. How many are excited about your finances? At least a little bit. Are you coming up, going out? You're not decreasing. We're not going down and back. And we're not going to stay where we are. We're going up, up, up. What used to seem big to us will be commonplace to us. Right? That's what this week's about. Philippians 4, 19 says, But my God shall supply all your need. According to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Say it out loud with me. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now, this is a statement of faith as to who our source is. Who supplies our needs? Our God. How much of our needs does he supply? All our needs. Right? That just blows holes. In this unbiblical, unscriptural doctrine that sometimes your needs are not met because God in his wisdom is teaching you something. Your needs weren't met, but you had to learn something through experiencing your lack. Well, I I know a lot of us don't agree with that, but you do understand millions of Christians believe that. And of course, that's more convenient than believing I missed it. Isn't it? That's just, you know, people love. I mean, there are millions of Christians in all kinds of churches around the world. They like it. That's the way they want to keep it. They want somebody to preach to them. No fault religion. No matter what happens. It's not my fault. Not your fault. Right? If it happened, it's not our fault. If it didn't happen, it's not our fault. It's not our fault. 
God just in his wisdom saw fit to do it or didn't see fit to do it. It's all up to him. Well, that's not true. I said, that's not true. We're told not to be unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. That's why he gave us this book. That's why he gave us the teacher, the Holy Spirit. We're not supposed to be going around going, we just don't know. We just don't know what the will of the Lord is. He said, don't be unwise, Ephesians 5. But understanding what the will of the Lord is. I'm so glad I've begun to find out. We're growing in it, you know. But that it is his will for me to be healed. You don't have to labor over that. It is God's will for us all to be healed. You can be just as confident of that as you are that it's His will for all of us to be born again. The reason people are not as confident in one as the other is because one has been preached for centuries and the other has not been preached as much. But we're growing in it. And we can be just as confident that God wants us rich. Yes, I said rich, R-I-C-H, rich, rich. It is his will for everybody in this room, everybody watching my internet and TV to be rich. In fact, we're just as healed as we are righteous. And we're just as rich as we are healed and righteous. Why? Well, he took our sins. He carried our iniquities. Him who knew no sin was made to be sin for us so that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. It's already happened. It's already, we're not struggling trying to get to be righteous. We have been made righteous if we'll just believe it and receive it. Makes no difference how you feel or how many times you've blown it or what kind of insecurities you've struggled with. Just throw it all away and say, I believe it. I am the righteousness of God. In Christ. Well. He took our infirmities. He bore our sicknesses. He carried our pains. By his stripes ye were healed. You're just as healed as you are righteous. It was done at the same time. Right? No matter what we feel or what it looks like or what kind of report we get. We were and we are healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. I'm healed. You gotta believe it, just like you believe you're saved, just like you believe you're born again, just like you believe you're righteous, based in the same redemption. And how many remember he said, you know the grace of our Lord Jesus, how that though he was rich, he became poor for your sakes, so that we through his poverty might be rich. That sounds like redemptive talk. That sounds like covenant language. Did he become sin? Then we're made righteous. Was he made sick with our sickness? Yeah, then we've been made healed. Was he made poor with our poverty? Then we're just as rich as we are healed, as we are righteous, we are. So we've got to stop talking like poor folks. And stop talking and thinking like sick folks. And stop talking and thinking like just old poor old sinners saved by grace. We're not sinners. We're saints. We're not unrighteous. We're righteous. We didn't earn it. We've been made it. No matter how we feel, we're healed. No matter how little money in our pocket, we're rich. Man, it'd help you tremendously. Just get up in the morning, look in the mirror and say, I'm rich. You hear that, boy? You're rich. 
You're a rich man. (laughs) Oh, yes, Brother Keith, I know I'm rich in the blessings of the Lord. That means rich in every realm. Every realm. You know, you have to read scriptures differently. You know, like in 1 Timothy, it says, charge them that are rich in this world not to be high-minded. And most Christians will read that and go, yeah, the more rich people ought not be like that. (laughs) No. Charge them that are rich in this world. Don't be high-minded. Don't trust in uncertain riches. But trust in the living God who gives us richly all things to enjoy. When you read that, uh, don't be high-minded. You go, yeah, i got to watch that. Why? Because that's me. Rich. When you hear rich, you hear you mean. People say, all the poor folk come to the front. You don't get up. <laughs> We're going to pray for the poor folks. Well, I'll help you pray for them. I don't care how broke you are. You At some point, you have to identify with what has been bought and paid for in our redemption. When are you going to believe you're rich? When you got suitcases full of money? When there's money? Well, any sinner could do that. It takes faith to believe I'm healed when I'm still hurting. It takes faith to believe I'm righteous when I still feel bad. I'm dealing with feelings of condemnation and guilt. It takes faith to believe I'm rich when I don't have enough money to pay my utilities. But the man or woman that'll sit there and look at that pile of bills on the table and say, I don't care what I see. I don't care what I feel. None of these things move me. He was poor for me and I have been made rich and I am rich. I'm rich. I'm rich. I'm rich. I am rich and I will be rich. I mean, what happens when you do that with healing? I don't care what I've heard. I don't care what the tests say. I don't care how I feel. I am healed. I will not die. I will live. I'll declare the works and the glory of God. That's how you get healed. Experiencing it. Right? Faith works exactly the same way in every area of life. Well, this is talking about who our supply comes from. Let me say it again. Let's think about it. My God. Who's God? Must be a personal thing. Not just God is a provider. No, he's my provider, my healer, my deliverer. He heals me. My God shall, not might, shall supply all, not part, all your needs, not according to your job in your town where you live. Not according to the people you know. Hmm? Not according to the current economical environment. Or the price of this or the price of that or whether there's a war or whether there's not. Or the price of fuel or any of those things. You notice we talked about this last night. Nothing earthly is in there. He said that on purpose. We know he uses people as channels to minister to us. But it's a channel, not the source. The source is God. And he supplies all our needs from what? According to his riches, his resources, his ability in glory. It's not subject to what's going on down here. You know, uh, I was in a conference a while back. 
and a fellow minister was talking about this. He said he was in what people call a poor nation and uh, extreme poverty. And he was doing some things, and, and he said, man, that the filth on the streets was awful, and people eating garbage, and it was just terrible. Some of the worst poverty he had ever seen. And he came around the corner of the street, and he looked up, and up on the hill, there was this beautiful wrought iron fence that went on and on for acres, and there was this mound that sloped up, this beautiful lawn, and manicured, and flowers, and a beautiful white mansion. And he thought, what? I mean, such abject poverty. And look at that. He said, who is that? They said, that's the U.S. ambassador. (laughs) The U.S. ambassador. Well, they ought to give money to these people. They have been. But see, that's where people get off. They think if you've got something more than somebody else, you have to equalize. A lot of people believe in spiritual socialism and communism. Not God. I said not God. God does not equalize everything. And he's not going to. Did you know in the resurrection we will not all be the same? We will not all have the same? Did you know that? No. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that we will differ in glory like the stars. Well, some stars are brighter than others. Right? No. And remember Jesus talked about in the parables. He said, here, you be ruler over five cities. You be ruler over ten. It's not all equal. Right? No. And just because... You're blessed doesn't mean you have to impoverish yourself as long as anybody else is in need. You're not the provider of the world. You're not supposed to feel like you are. And you're not supposed to feel ashamed if you have more than somebody else. So here the U.S. ambassador up on that hill, he said, man, this place is a mansion. This place is an estate, a landed estate. And he began to talk about how, why, why? Because the U.S. ambassador's resources didn't come from the country he's living in. His prosperity wasn't based on the economy of that impoverished land. He was in that country, but he wasn't of that country. And so he's living like a king in the middle of the worst poverty. That's you and me. That's you and me. We are ambassadors for the anointed one. And we are in the world, but we're not of the world. And God meets our needs, not according to our government in the earth or economy, but according to his riches somewhere else. Our prosperity is imported from heaven. We ought to meditate on this. We ought to think on this. Right? Glory to God. Well, last night, we got into some detail about how that uh, in Psalm 78, you don't have to turn there, but about how they limited God by turning back and would not believe after he had demonstrated himself repeatedly, they did not believe him 
and would continue to doubt and continue to question and say, oh, we're all going to die out here. And uh, it angered God. It displeased him. After the Lord has done things for us repeatedly, we shouldn't be like we used to be. Right? We shouldn't waver like we used to waver. We shouldn't cry and stay up and worry like we used to. Right? After God's healed you 3,500 times, you ought to begin to get the hang of this, right? As to what's going to happen next and show him some respect that you trust him. No matter what it looks like or feels like, you know he's going to come through again. After he's met your needs, how many times has God met our needs? Come on now, think about it. I'm looking around the room. How many years? How many days? So much of it we just take for granted. Huh? How many struggled and worried about whether you'd have a meal today or not? No. Or a place to sleep or something to put on. No. You're living in the perpetual provision. Right? And God has done it for us again and again and again and again. And for us to begin to, you know, worry and be afraid when something else comes up. It shows we're slow learners. And slow to believe, which is much worse. And it is not okay. Now, go with me if you would. To, where are you now? Yeah, go to First Corinthians. The 10th chapter. We're believing God together, right? Let's just release our faith a little bit further. Just agree with me in this prayer. Father, as we go further into this, we agree together as touching this thing. We ask for utterance. We ask for anointing. We ask for revelation, the manifestation of your spirit and the plan of God. Show us exactly what, when, how, where, and we'll not be forgetful hearers, but by your grace we are and will be doers of the word in Jesus' name. Amen. 1 Corinthians 10, are you there? 1 Corinthians 10. He said in 1 Corinthians 10, we saw uh, last night that they murmured and complained against him and they tempted him. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Yeah, he brought water out of the rock. Yeah, he brought man out of the sky. But can he give us meat to eat? And they said it in a sarcastic, unbelieving, challenging way. And it angered God. You don't ask questions like that. After God's come through for you again and again, you don't say, I don't know if he will. I don't know. Will he? You think he will? No, you say? He will. He will. will. That honors God. This questioning is disrespectful. Dishonors God. And... uh, He goes on to say here in 1 Corinthians 10, he said, verse 10, verse 9 rather, Let us not tempt Christ, as some of them tempted and were destroyed of serpents, neither murmur, as some of them murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Murmuring and complaining opens the door to the destroyer in your life. Very serious. Now all these things happen to them for what? examples and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come wherefore let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall 
There's no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful. He'll not suffer or allow you to be tempted above that you're able. But will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. You can count on God that no matter what comes up, there's a way out. There's a way through. There's a way over in victory. Right? And if something shows up at your door for you to deal with, you know you can overcome it in Him or it wouldn't be there. If it was really too big for you to handle, it wouldn't be there. That's what He just said. He won't allow it. Right? So if it's there, by the grace of God, you can handle it and overcome it. Now He said what happened to them happened as examples for us. Now, the Lord helped me to see a number of years ago a progression that happened with them, and there's a parallel with us. And there were specific levels that they lived and operated on. One was Egypt. In Egypt, they operated on virtually no faith. They had enough faith to cry out to God in their misery. But just the lowest level of faith. A lot of them are still worshiping other gods while they were there. But they had no resources. They didn't even own their own body. They didn't own the rags on their back. They're living in complete debt. How many uh, would agree debt is not God's best? Is it better to owe or to own? Is it better to get interest or pay interest? (laughs) It's no more difficult than that. Right? Uh, They were in complete debt. They owe every minute of their time to their masters. They owe their bodies. They owe for the food they eat. They owe for everything. They have nothing And owe for everything they're dealing with. Well God changed that. In a day. Anybody remember that? He told them to ask for the goods of the Egyptians. And the fear of God was on them so strong. Because of all the plagues and things that were happening. Now, I mean get this picture. You've been working for somebody all your life. Whether you're in the field or in the barn or in the house or wherever. And you say, uh, you know, so-and-so, that fine coat you have, I'd like to have that. Yeah, and the watch and the cufflinks too. Yeah, and the shoes. Could you put some money in the pocket? <laughs> and the hat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, extra hat too. And, the lady, and, and what did the guy say? Sure, sure, sure. Here, take the, here's the extra pair of pants goes with it. Take that. Fear of God was on them. And same thing, the lady said, you know that, that jewelry that you have, you know that ruby ring, I'd like that. And the earrings that go with it, yeah. And the bracelet, yeah. Yeah, and those shoes. Oh, yeah, I gotta have those shoes. Yeah, well, let's go ahead and get the outfit that goes with the shoes. And the Bible said they spoiled them. And in a night, the wealth of Egypt was transferred in a night. Now, there's people that want to scoff and balk at the transfer of wealth. But it was foretold in this, and it's in the Scriptures. 
Not one place, not two, many places that the wealth of the sinner is laid up for the just. Ecclesiastes says he gives the trouble and labor of accumulating wealth to the wicked. To raise it up and store it up and give it to him who's godly and just in God's eyes that will have mercy on the poor. Is this Bible or is it Bible? Well, then you and I should be expecting. Now, we shouldn't be coveting anybody's particular stuff, but we should be believing that there is more than enough wealth in this earth and planet to do everything we've ever thought about and far beyond. It's already here. It doesn't have to be created. It's already here. There is untold money. (laughs) Untold billions Sitting in accounts, accumulating interest, and the people that put it there are dead, and their children and grandchildren can't draw it out, or they'll admit to crimes. There's so much money in the earth sitting and doing nothing. Would it be better to be in your hands? In my hands? Would it be better to be in the hands of the church? Financing the gospel, advancing the kingdom of God. Well, do we have a God big enough to do it? To get it out of these dark places and into the church? Glory to God. Well, we must believe for these kind of things. Now, uh, he said these things happened to them as examples. In Egypt, they were in total debt. I mean, they were in debt from previous generations for 400 years. They could not see daylight. There seemed no hope that you could be your own man or your own woman and own your own house or your own place. There was no hope. There was no provision for it in the government. You were not a citizen. You didn't have rights. You were property. Four centuries of this. Complete debt. And in one night. Well I reckon God could get you out of debt then. (laughs) We ain't talking about 400 years of compounded interest. I reckon if he could handle that for a nation of folks. He could handle your little stuff and mine right. In one night. He turned it around and they walked out of there. Not only are they no longer property, but they have substance. They got clothes. They got money. They got stuff. The psalmist said he brought them out with silver and gold. And there was not one feeble person among their tribes. Wealthy and healthy. Folk can laugh and make fun of us. They want to. Ah, y'all are just that health and wealth gospel bunch. Make no apology. You want to be part of the broken sick bunch? (laughs) This is all typified. And you and I are living in the fulfillment of the type today. We don't have worse. We're supposed to have better. So they came out. No longer in debt. No longer owing everything to somebody else. And they got stuff. 
But they come into the wilderness. Now this is the next level of living. You've got Egypt living. And what's the next level? Wilderness living. Now in the wilderness, they lived from day to day. Right? Every day you got to believe God for the manna. Right? You don't know where you're going till the cloud moves. Right? Or the pillar of fire moves. You don't know where your next drink's going to come from. Could be a rock you tripped over yesterday. Right? What's the Lord endeavoring to teach them? Faith. Right? Faith. You don't have to see where it's going to come from. You know where it's going to come from. Me. I'm your source. And I'll arrange for the appropriate channel at the appropriate time. And he gave them faith tests. Didn't he? Like the manna test. Which they flunked. Right? There were tests. They ran out of water. And they all cried and said, we're going to die. They flunked that test. Well, he sweetened the water at Marah, you know, and then we don't have anything to eat. We're all going to die. They flunked that test. And he sent manna out of the sky. Oh, we're going to starve to death. No water. They flunked that test. And he brought water out of the rock and he did it again. And on the manna test, he told them, all right, I'm going to send manna. But on the seventh day, you don't go out and get it. Sixth day, there'll be twice as much. You get it and you save it. Now, prior to that, he said, don't save it overnight. So what'd they do? They saved it. And it bred worms and stank. Right? Then he says, don't go out on the Sabbath. So what'd they do? They went out on the Sabbath. I was reading some of these things years ago. And if you read it all together consecutively, after a while, it just... I just put my hands down and I thought, God, what's wrong with these people? <laughs> he said, they're a lot like you. I said, no, 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 not like And he brought me to 1 Corinthians 10. They're examples for us. And that's why we're talking about it tonight. Now, don't raise your hand. I'm not going to ask you to testify. But... Have you ever messed up? Have you ever failed the same lesson more than once? You have. I have. We shouldn't. Once God has done it for us, we should expect Him to do it again. But, flesh being what it is, everybody in the world around you full of unbelief, if you yield to that, you'll go along with it. That's why you need faith buddies. That's why you need a good church where you get fed faith. Faith friends. And you don't have to run to each other and whine and, uh, you know, act pitiful. Oh, my faith is just giving up. And Y'all got to pray for me. I don't know what to do. I need help. Y'all got to hold up my hands. Don't say that. Don't say that. If you're believing for your healing, you just call somebody or you show up and, and smile and go, Hey, uh, tell me I'm healed. Now, a faith friend will know exactly what's going on, right? That you're feeling challenged, you're feeling pulled, and they'll jump on that with both feet. They go, you better believe you're healed. You were healed by the stripes of Jesus a long time ago, and it's working in your body powerfully. And you're closer to the manifestation of the whole thing than you've ever been. Got the rough part behind you now. You're right up against seeing the whole deal. Just show up and say, uh, you know, tell me I'm coming out of debt. 
Right? Tell me I'm prosperous. Tell me I'm strong. Right? And then you don't have to whine and cry and feel sorry for yourself and have pity parties. There is no benefit in that. And after God's moved for us repeatedly, it actually can be sin. Because him that knows to do good and do better and does it not, to him it is sin. So they came up out of Egyptian living. They came out of, up out of total debt and total bondage. And they came up into living by faith. Day to day. Right? You gotta believe God that the man is gonna be there tomorrow. Right? You gotta believe God this water's gonna come when you need it. You don't know where you're gonna camp next. You're walking by faith. They failed the lessons. That's why they stayed out there so long. See, with God, there is no social promotion. You fail a second grade five times, you do not get promoted to the third grade. You stay in the second grade. If it's 40 years, then it's 40 years in the second grade. When tests come up and faith tests, if you fail them, they're going to come back around. And if you fail them, they're going to come back around. And if you keep failing them, you're just going to stay there. Things challenge you every day. Are you going to walk in love or are you going to be selfish? Are you a giver or a taker? You know what I'm saying? Are you a believer or a doubter? You one that gets into fear or one that trusts God? Every day, the new day, if you pass the test, you go on. So they're living day to day. And this is where so much of the body of Christ is right now. They talk about and sing about being in Canaan's land, but they're not. They're living in the wilderness. They're living check to check. Right? Offering to offering. Right? They're living hand to mouth. Day to day. If they miss a check, they're in trouble. If they miss an offering, they're in trouble. If they miss, you know, a sale, because everything is just teetering and tottering. You're barely there. But we're supposed to go on to another place. Canaan's land. Oh, where you won't want or lack for any good and rich thing. More than enough. Grapes so big, takes two men to haul them. How many is ready for some big grapes? That's not everybody. How many wants to stay in the wilderness? How many wants to live check to check your whole life? Hmm? How many wants to barely rake by, scrape by? That's not the will of God. There's another way to live. But in order to get to Canaan's land, what do you have to learn? You have to learn God's ways. Uh, go with me to Jeremiah, please. Jeremiah 7. This whole chapter of Jeremiah deals with this subject. We'll just look at this for the moment. Jeremiah 7. And 23. Jeremiah 7 and 23. He said, this thing commanded I them. Obey my voice and I'll be your God. And you'll be my people. Walk in all the ways that I have commanded you that it may be well to you. But what? 
they hearkened not, nor inclined their ear, but walked in the counsels and in the imagination of their evil heart. And as a result, what happened? They went backward and not forward. Now, what the Lord was endeavoring to teach them in the wilderness was His ways. His ways. His ways are different from man's ways. They're higher. They're better. They work. Right? Which is one big benefit. Man's ways, your own ways, cause you to go backwards. God's ways cause you to move forward, to advance. But God's ways are foreign to flesh that has been trained by the world. They've been brought up in Egypt. In the world system and their parents and their grandparents the same. And this had been ingrained in them. They lived by the sweat of their brow. They had lived by being beggars. You can see this mentality in them. Every time something comes up, you don't see them stand up like men and women and believe God. You see them go and cry. Why? Because they still got a slave mentality. Right? They're beggars. They're pitiful. It's bad for us. We're at the bottom of the the ladder. I like the scripture in Psalms where the psalmist David said, I have never seen the righteous forsaken, nor his seed begging bread. The Lord said to me one time, believers are not beggars. I wrote it down. And you could say it by reverse. Beggars are what? They're not believers. If you're begging for something, you're not in faith about it. Begging. They still had that beggarly mentality. And it's not hard for God to get riches to us. The challenge is to get this beggarly poverty mentality out of us. Because a lot of you like me, I didn't come from wealth. Hmm? Now, thank God for the way I, you know, what I did have growing up. I had two parents that loved each other and loved us. We didn't go hungry. We grew our own food. We didn't have the best, but we had something. But as I grew up, I looked around. And I began to realize there's an upper class. And we're not in that. There's a middle class. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about? And um, just, you know, you think, you, we'd look in the Sears catalog. You remember the Sears catalogs? And they had the categories, good, better, best. We never looked at the best. That's for the rich folks. We're always looking for a deal. Always looking for a deal. And, <laughs> Lord help me with this. Do you see what we're talking about now? Are you helping me with this? You believe it with me? Why did they fail these tests in the wilderness? They could not see themselves as the redeemed of the Lord. They could not see themselves as possessors of the land, as the rich, as the more than conquerors. 
Inside, I mean, they got the jewelry on, they got the clothes on, but inside themselves, they are still beggars. They still think like slaves and beggars. Nobody can make you think like that. People might be able to do some things to you outwardly, but nobody can make you see yourself as nothing. No devil can, no man can. You know, the scripture said concerning youth, let no man despise thy youth. What does that mean? How can you keep somebody from despising your youth? You don't receive their despising. Maybe they look at you as insignificant, but they can't make you see yourself that way. Oh, come on, get this with me now. Get this with me now. You don't receive it. That's not your job to make everybody respect you. Don't get into that. You have to respect me. No, they don't. (laughs) But you are in a position to never let anybody make you despise yourself. He is the glory and the lifter up of my head. (laughs) He has made me. Righteous. He has made me a son and a child of God. He's grooming me for kingdom rulership. I'm one of the kings. He's king of. And you, you know, the big challenge is not to be conformed to this world. See, the devil is insecure. You cannot be a fear monger. And be confident. He lives in his own soup. You know what I mean by that? He's a fear monger. And a hate monger. And that's what he lives in. And he's one of the most insecure beings anywhere. He's threatened by everything. Particularly you and me. With good reason. But he's been around so long, he has a lot of knowledge and some devilish wisdom. And he knows that so many Christians are so insecure, they don't know who they are, they don't know what they are, they don't know what they have or what they can do, and just a little bit of mockery and this and that, and they'll crumble and fold. And so that's the way a lot of the body of Christ is. But nobody, no man, no woman, no devil can make you despise yourself or see yourself as broke or trash or sick or nothing. Only you can do that to yourself. And that's the wonderful thing about this Word of God. You live in this book and you live in these epistles and you live in redemptive reality. You're going to come to see yourself in Christ Jesus. And the more you do, every shred of inhibition and fear and intimidation and insecurity will fall off of you. And you'll become very bold, not pushy and arrogant, but very confident. Because you know who you are. And when you can stand boldly and come boldly before the very throne of the Almighty Creator. You can look anybody else in the eye. 
you can stand in his presence, who else is bigger and more important than him? And if he accepts you and calls you beloved and calls you clean and holy, then who else can say anything else about you? If God is for you, who could be against you? Mm-mm-mm. I'd have come and preached this for myself tonight. <laughs> you see, they never saw themselves other than slaves with nice clothes. Nothing. See, that had been beat into them. Particularly, you know, the last several months and years, man, their servitude had been, the Bible said, with rigor. They beat them regularly like animals, like donkeys and dogs. And you know what they're saying to them. Why? Because they're scared of them. That's what the Pharaoh said. He's scared that if this bunch rises up in our midst, they could overthrow us. They could join our enemies and wipe us out. They're scared of them. So what do they do? Constantly trying to humiliate them and cause them to believe they are nothing. Does it sound familiar? The devil is scared of us. He's scared of us. If the body of Christ worldwide stood up as one man, shake this planet to the core. But why don't they? Because people say, well, you know, it's just me. I'm just poor and I live in my little house and I don't know anybody and I'm not educated and I'm this and I'm that and don't know who you are, don't know what you are. Don't be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Find out what is the perfect will of God. Confess it over yourself. Look in that mirror in the morning and say, Rich, rich, you are rich, brother. Righteous. I am authorized, anointed, and empowered. I'm an ambassador of the Most High God. I represent Jesus in the earth. Greater is He that's in me. That anything or anybody, any curse, any junk, any devil in the world. I saw a video of a man used mightily of God in healing in years past. This would have been back in the 50s, I guess. Huge crowd. This man was on the platform and they brought this little girl to him. It was just skin and bone. I mean, she was emaciated, looked like she might gasp her last breath right there on the stage. He lifted her up in his arms. He looked at the people. He said, "Uh, how many of you believe that if Jesus of Nazareth was here tonight and they brought this little girl to him, that he would rebuke this death and this devilish cancer and disease and would heal the child? And make the child whole. Man, the whole crowd said, yes, yes. If you read the Bible, you got to believe it, right? Everybody that ever came to Jesus to be healed, left healed. Everybody, everybody. He said, well, he's not here. He's at the right hand of the Father. But he sent me tonight. 
And He authorized me. And anointed me to speak and act on His behalf. And He laid hands on me and said, Death, I rebuke you. Cancer, I curse you. Come out of the child. Child, be healed. Live. And she was. And she did. Why? He knew who He was. Not fully, but He's getting revelation of it. That's what's happening to you and I. I said, to the devil's great fear. (laughs) That's what's happening. To you and I. Why? Because resist the devil and what? He'll clobber you. You think that's what some folk believe it reads. He'll flee. Let no man despise thy youth. Well, let no man despise you in God. First and foremost, yourself. You forgive yourself of everything you've ever done. Did you hear that now? You cannot hold on to condemnation and guilt for past sins and operate in righteous confidence. You've got to forgive yourself. You've got to receive forgiveness. Yes, sir. Right? If God can forgive you, who are you to hold out against yourself? Amen. You more righteous than him? No. Well, if he forgives you, then you forgive yourself. And you don't talk about it. Yeah. And you don't bring it up. Amen. Right? And you let the old wounds heal. You let him make you whole. You let him make you strong. You don't talk about it. You don't think about it. All you think about is who you are in him now. Clean, washed, and rich. Don't forget that. And rich. He said, obey my voice. Walk in my ways. It'll be well with you. Verse 24. They wouldn't listen. They walked in their own counsels and ways. And what happened to them? They went backwards and not forwards. Turn over to Proverbs real quickly. Proverbs 14. Say it out loud. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm clean by the blood. No guilt. No shame. No inferiority. No timidity, no fear. fear. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Proverbs 14, 14, interesting thing here. 14, 14 says what? The backslider. Now, we've come to use that word. So-and-so backslid. So-and-so's a backslider. I was a backslider, people will say, and I got back to God. Backslider. What does that mean, backslider? Sliding back (laughs) means you ain't going forward and you're not staying the same. We've already talked about that, right? With spiritual things, you do not just stay where you are. You're advancing forward or you're moving back in your finances, same thing. And in your church and your ministry, you don't just sit where you are. People say, well, you know, I got uh, 23 people. And that's just fine with me. And it's fine with me if uh, I've got 23 for the next 40 years till Jesus comes. Well, what if God wants you to have 26? <laughs> or 28. That's right. Or 392. Hmm? You cannot at any place in your life say, yeah, this is good. 
this is good. I'm happy. And we say, well, you know, my finances, I got all my stuff paid for. I'm happy. Well, what about the rest of the world? Hmm? You cannot, we must not become, you know, think we can stay static and stay stationary because the moment you do that and you quit feeding your vision, you quit feeding your faith, you quit sowing your seed and reaching out, what's going to happen? You are not going to stay where you are. Because now you're stopping operating in His ways and you're just going to maintain in your ways. You're going to do it your way now and you can't do it your way and go forward. You do it your way, you go back. You'll go back, 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 back. Are you clear on this now? You can't stay still. You're either moving forward or you're sliding back. So, have you made up your mind which one you're going to do already? <laughs> Come on now, help me out. Look at your neighbor, are they awake? What? Which one? Which one are we going to do? We are moving forward. We're moving forward. 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 We're not going back. We're not going to try to stay where we are. We're moving forward. If just one more person got saved, that's big. <laughs> if just one person quit playing around and got in and really committed to God and had a good life instead of a bad one, that's big. And there's always one more. <laughs> right? So we always got to move forward. He said the backslider, this is what happens, you see a recurring theme here now. The backslider in heart shall be filled with his own ways. Does that sound familiar? Now, I hadn't seen this before until I looked it up in other uh, translations, but you can see it. should have been obvious to us. The NAS says uh, the backslider in heart will have his fill of his own ways. He will have his fill. The living says the backslider gets bored with himself. The backslider gets bored with himself. And there are people in this place right now. You could testify to this big time because you backslid. You got away from God. Why? Because you're going to do what you want to do. Hmm? No show of hands now. Just look straight ahead. You're going to do what you want to do. You want to get drunk. You want to do drugs. And you want to sleep around. And you want to do this. And you want to do that. So you did it. And you did it. And you did it. And you did it. And you got sick to your stomach with yourself. Why? Because your own ways are sickening. Why? Because all the time you're doing that, what's happening? You're going backwards. You're going down. You're regressing. And it's sickening. You're sinking in the mud. You're sinking in the mire. You're getting dumber by the day. And broker by the hour. And sicker by the week. It's nauseating. It's sickening. So people talk about, well, Brother Keith, do you believe in evolution? 
I believe in devolution. Devolution. It's a word. What does it mean? You believe man has evolved from, you know, an organism in the sea to the wonderful thing that we have made ourselves to be now. No, the whole thing is based in godlessness. Eliminating God. That's what it's all about. Is, you know, you and I just got an urge in the sea and decided we'd come out to sea. Yes, we did. And then we decided we'd grow us a tail and climb up in a tree. And by sheer willpower and determination, we dropped our tail and jumped out and said, I'm a man, here I am. I got here by myself. (laughs) You can't even breathe by yourself. Can't even wake up in the morning by yourself. The sun doesn't shine by itself. The world doesn't turn by itself. Such ignorance. Bible says the fool says in his heart, there is no God. We got a lot of fools around. No. <laughs> what was I talking about before I got off into that? <laughs> Devolution. <laughs> got excited. Uh, the man has evolved to this brilliant thing that he is now. No, no. Man has fallen. Man has devolved. Adam and Eve were not sitting in a cave grunting at each other. Ugh. 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 The Bible said they communed with God. You think God came down in the cool of the day and said, Ugh. Ugh. It's ignorance. And it's taught for fact in our schools. Ignorance. Adam and Eve were created in the likeness and image of God. They could speak like God. They could think like God. They could understand like God. God personally came down to the garden and they fellowshiped together. And he was able to talk to them and them understand and commune together. And Adam would say, wow, now God, that's sunset. That is wonderful. How'd you do that? And he would explain it to him and he would understand it. No, man has fallen to the place where they are now, where many of them live like animals. Not evolved, devolved, fallen. That's why Jesus came, though, to restore to you and me back the place that man is supposed to have with God so we could walk with God and talk with God and commune with God. Like he intended that we should. So you and I are on the rise. I said we're on the rise. Centuries of lies and deception had pulled us and our parents back. But we're on the rise. We're coming up. We're coming out to think right and believe right. And live and walk 
like Jesus lived and walked on the earth. That's not too high. That's what we're commanded to do. He said First John 2, He that says he abides in him ought himself also so to walk even as he walked. That's our call. That's what we ought to be shooting for every day. Walk like Jesus. He did not walk in inferiority. He did not walk in insecurities and fears. He knew who he was. Knew who the Father God was. He knew his relationship. The backslider will be filled with his own ways. And going backwards. So if you are bored and sick of yourself. Don't blame God. You've been doing your own thing. You've been going your own way. Have not submitted to him. And so you've been going back and going down. But don't talk about backsliding as an incurable condition. Because it's not. Jeremiah 3 said, return backsliding children and I'll heal your backsliding. He said, Hosea 14, 4, I will heal their backsliding and I will love them freely. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Can you take a little more? Now let me set us up for tomorrow night. The things that were written to the Israelites that happened to them happened as examples for us. There is a type of what's going on with us. There's the type. We're in the real thing. Is there a parallel of Egypt living for the man or woman who's alive today? Yeah, being lost. Your sin debt is not paid. You don't own yourself. You're in bondage to sin. You might think you got some stuff, but you have nothing. Right? How many know without God, I don't care what you think you got, you are blind, you are naked, and miserable and lost without God. But then, you can come out. And you can come up in the wilderness living. Now, somebody might say, well, I don't want to skip that, Brother Keith. Nobody skips it. I just want to sail over there, Brother Keith, and jump out of Egypt to Canaan's land. I want to be translated from Egypt to Cain. Well, I'm sure you do, but it doesn't work that way. Why? Because you must learn his ways. You must learn how to live by faith and operate by faith. And that's what you learn in the wilderness. And depending on how long it takes you to learn it is how long you stay in the dry place. It's how long you eat manna. It's how long you wonder where your next drink's coming from. You got to learn the lesson. Now, in life, there's only a handful of ways you can get what you want. In life. Let's say you want some money, you want some clothes, you want a house, you want a car, you want some stuff. There's only a handful of ways. Let's go over some of them. One, you could beg for it. How many think that's a good way to do it? Are there any Christian beggars around? No, sir. I said around. <laughs> I'm not asking you to confess that you're one. Are there any Christian beggars around? There's a lot of begging going on from Christians. Oh, sometimes it's couched in some nice words and people dress up and do it. But, you know, 
Preachers can go to bankers and beg them. Please, we need, we need. Never go to anybody with your hat in your hand and beg. It's acting like you have no God. Christians go to doctors and beg them. Please, please, will you take my case? Please, please, if you don't take it, I won't make it. It's acting like you have no healer. It's acting like there is no God. They go to Christians. I'm not talking about sinners now. Christians go to their relatives. Please, will you give me the money? Please, if I don't have anybody else to go to. You don't? You see what I'm saying? We talked about the progressive revelation of God being your source. And if you're going to learn God's ways, sooner or later, you're going to have to say, this is it. It's God or it ain't happening. And if you don't get to that place on a thing, then you never learn his ways. Because it's too easy for a man to look at you and say, I'm sorry. There's nothing we can do. I'm sorry. We don't have the money. I'm sorry. Man, I learned a long time ago. I mean, the little projects God's having me to do, I didn't know anybody that had that money. And it's just gotten bigger and bigger. I'm so glad I learned that I don't have to know who's got the money. In the earth, I already know where it's coming from. It's coming from my God and His riches in glory. And I don't have to figure out, you know, where and with whom. And that's all I got to know. Are y'all with me now? Begging is not believing. Believers don't beg. You don't beg for the government to do something for you. You don't beg the banker. You don't beg the doctor. You don't beg mom and daddy. You don't beg the preacher. You don't beg anybody. You don't beg your supervisor. Or your boss for a raise. You do not beg. Not because you're too proud. Because you don't have to. You've got a God. You've got a provider. It doesn't have to come through them. Right? Said out loud, I am not a beggar. I do not beg. I don't have to beg. Preachers do not have to beg their congregations to give. It's a privilege to give. Right? Now I know it doesn't take long for me to say this. But do you understand this is a big problem in the body of Christ. People are begging. They don't call it that. But that's what it is. They don't actually say I'm begging you. But they might as well. Because they got their eye. I've had people come to me more than once. You know, and more people know you. I've had people write me and say, Oh, Brother Keith, you know, the Bible said, Let your request be made known. So I'm making known my request to you. And if you don't help me, I don't, I'm not going to make it. What does scripture say? Anybody remember that scripture? <laughs> be careful for nothing. Well, they already flunked that one. Do not fret, do not worry, do not have any anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto Brother Keith. (laughs) No, no any other man, no any other woman, let your request be made known unto God, unto God, unto God. And what they're doing, they're begging. 
Now, I still checked my heart to see what the Lord had had say anything to me about it. But you cannot let, and listen to me, don't let anybody, including your own kinfolks, make you their provider. Amen. Or make you their source. Don't you let anybody look to you as their source. Don't do it. Including your children. As soon as they're old enough to understand. You teach them that daddy is not El Shaddai. Mama is not Jehovah Jireh. Right? Because they you know, if you don't train them, they say, I'm believing God. And then they'll run tell mama. And you need to tell them, I thought you believe in God. Yeah, I am. Well, I'm not God. And you got to watch it because you'll be tempted to try to make it happen. Are you listening to me now? Don't get in God's way. Now, if God deals with you, okay, but you got to watch it. Because you'll try to make it that he's dealing with it. Yeah, I think he is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I want, I'm tired of seeing him stand and believe. I want to make it happen for him today. I, don't, I want to see it happen. Well, you're not helping them. Let them believe God. Let them stand. Sometimes it takes longer than you'd like for it to. Right? But you teach them not to beg. You don't beg. Because kids will do it. They'll fold out. Please, please, daddy, please, 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 I gotta have it. Please. You say, get up from there. Get up from there. You're a child of God. Children of God don't beg. Get up from there. Well, it helps if they don't see mom and daddy doing it to each other. You could beg. Another way you could get something is try to win it. You could go to Vegas. You could get in a card game. You could buy a ticket, you know, and pray that you win the lotto. How does God sort that? Wonder how many prayers he's got coming up. Huh? How does he sort that without being a respecter of persons? You could try to win it or hope you'd win it. How many think that's a good way? All right, let's check those two off. Right? Begging, you're going to try to get it through begging. Nope, not me and you. You're going to try to get it through winning. No. No. What else could you do? You could steal it. Yeah, you could. You could steal it. You could get you a gun. And find somebody that's got it. Right? And put a 44 mag in their face and said, give it over. You could take it. <laughs> somebody said, oh no. People are doing it. Right? People are doing it. They'll wait and see somebody, maybe this liquor store or this convenience store is having a big day. I've seen a bunch of people go in there, so go get my gun. Right? I want the cash. The cash is in there. In the register. Simple. Go get the cash. (laughs) What's wrong with that? Well, there are a number of things wrong with that. 
One of them is thou shalt not steal. One of the top ten, you know. You Don't do that. Don't steal. Another is something called the police. <laughs> and hard time. Right? <laughs> there was actually a, a, a guy. Oh, this was what? Five or seven years ago or so. Saw it in the paper. Uh, heard him interview him on TV. And he went and robbed a place. And got caught about two blocks away. And they were interviewing him, you know, and why did he do that? And he said, I don't understand. He said, I prayed. He said, I prayed and asked the Lord to help me get away. Because he was going to use the money for a good cause. Well, the Lord didn't help him get away, even though he prayed. Why? Because that's his own way. Do you hear this now? See, man's way, begging, trying to win it, hoping I'm lucky, stealing, or any of those God's ways. No, that's man's ways, and that's how you slide back and go down is through man's ways. Now, we know that uh, you shouldn't take a gun and go put it in somebody's face, but there's a lot of Christians steal. I have seen... Have y'all got a few more minutes for me to tell a story? I have seen preachers go into restaurants and take every sugar packet and everything that wasn't nailed down to the table. Why? To use at home. Go into the hotel, take everything, towels, everything that wasn't nailed down. That's a poverty spirit. I said, that's a poverty. Why would a person still, whether you're throwing a gun in somebody's face, or whether you're filling your suitcase, or whether you're taking supplies from your office, or whatever you do, why would you do it? Because you don't have any faith that you could get it another way. You're so faithless that if I don't take it, I'll never have it. And you got people that are desperate. I was driving through a really rough part of town in a large city one time, and the Lord spoke to me. I was looking out the window at the folk and looking at the dejection on some people's faces. And the Lord said to me, no vision. The people have no vision. But without a vision, what happens? You perish. What gives you a vision? Oh, the word of God. The word of God, faith comes by hearing and the vision comes. How many can testify that you got a bigger vision than you had just a couple of years ago, man? You are seeing more possibilities, bigger things are closer to your reach. Why? What did that for you? It's the word. The word puts faith in you. Cause you to believe things are possible you never dreamed possible. That you could have it, that you could do it and you don't have to lie and you don't have to beg and you don't have to steal. God will get it to you the right way. Glory to God. So, uh, begging. No. Let me see. How many wants to beg? You going to beg your way to it? No, no. What else? Try to win it. No. No. Nothing in the Bible about winning it. And luck of the draw. (laughs) 
What else? Stealing it. How many think stealing is a bad idea? Don't steal it. Don't steal it. Another one is you can work for it. Work for it. Right? And coupled with that one is usually borrowing. Right? You can borrow it from the bank or whoever. And you can pay it back with your job. So what's wrong with that? Well, it's much better than stealing. I assure you. Yes, it is. It's another level. (laughs) It's better than begging. Right? It's better than trying to win it. It's better than stealing. No question about it. Borrowing and working. So what's wrong with that? Sinners do the same thing. Sinners do exactly the same thing. Sinners can work a job, can work two jobs, can work three jobs, can build up their credit and borrow and pay it back and borrow and pay it back. It doesn't take faith in God to do that. (laughs) We're happy now, aren't we? (laughs) Now, it does take faith to get up and go to work in the morning and believe God can prosper you in your job. And we're not supposed to all quit our jobs. And go lay on the couch and make confessions. You're supposed to work even if you had all kind of money. You're still supposed to work. Right? You're supposed to work. But what I'm saying is that the bank and your job is your source. That's your source. And you hear, you'll identify yourself or you'll hear other people identify by using this phrase. I can't afford that. We can't afford that. Well, what determines what you can't afford? What you make or what you could borrow. So in your mind, God's not your source. Your job and your credit is your source and it determines what I can have and how much I can have and it tells me what I can't have. Right? Now, please don't misunderstand me. It is honorable to work a job. I don't care if you're behind a desk or if you're pushing a broom. It is honorable. And the Bible teaches us to be workers. Right? But go to Ephesians real quickly. I'll close with this, I think. Go to Ephesians. It takes faith to hear what I believe we should preach to you this week. Can you hear it? Or do you want me to tell you that it's okay to stay where you are? I can't tell you that. Can't tell myself that. We've already said you can't stay where you are. You're either going backwards or you're going forward. Well, what we're talking about now is not just advancing in natural stuff. We're talking about advancing in our faith. Advancing in our revelation of who our source is. Advancing in the way we live our life. Ephesians, are you there? Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4. He said, verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for remembers one of another. Be angry and sin not. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. 
Neither give place or opportunity to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more. So we got right here in the Bible that stealing is a bad idea. And if you were getting it by stealing, quit. Don't steal any more. Right? That includes so-called borrowing without the owner's knowledge. (laughs) Well, I'm not stealing it. I'm just going to take it, use it a little bit, and I'm going to put it back. I'll put a little extra back in. You're stealing. If it is without the owner's knowledge and consent, it is stealing. Let me go over this real slow now. If the owner doesn't know you're taking it home. If the owner doesn't know you're using it. If the owner is not aware. What is it? It's stealing. Right? And as long as you're doing that, you're choking off and cutting off your prosperity. Because you're acting faithless. You're acting like that's the only way you could ever use it. Only way you could ever have it. Is to take it. Borrow it. No. You don't have to covet somebody else's stuff. God will give you one of your own. He'll give you a new one. A better one. That includes somebody's wife. Or husband. You don't have to covet somebody else's spouse. How many agree with this? You don't have to covet. any. God will give you, if you're not mad, He will give you somebody that's better for you than anybody you've seen. And some of us say, well, I already have one. <laughs> well, even if you've become unhappy and dissatisfied between yourselves, it's because y'all are operating in your own ways. And that's why you've gone backwards instead of forward. You can change it. God will heal your backslidings. And you've got to believe He can make the bitter waters sweet. He can take something that's bad and make it good. You've got to believe He can give you more than you ever desired in what you already have. You got to believe he's big enough to do that. And stay with it and not quit. He said let him that steal do what? Let him that stole steal no more. Look over at your neighbor and tell him steal no more. <laughs> Look back at somebody else. Say no more stealing. No more. No more stealing. <laughs> No more, no more, no more. How are we going to get it? (laughs) I'm getting all kind of answers around here. (laughs) He said, let him that stole steal no more, but let him what? Let him work. So working is right. I said, working is right. Working is good. Let him work so he can make a living for him and his kids and family. Right? Let him work so he can pay his bills. So we can get a house. So we can get a car. Let him work. So he can make his dreams come true. Isn't that the American dream though? Work hard. Work hard and get your dream. Sinners do that. What does scripture say? Let him work. Work with his hands 
Something that's good. Don't go work in a meth lab. (laughs) Don't go to work in a chop shop. Something that's good. Right? (laughs) So he can what? Oh, come on, come on, come on. So he can what? Give. I thought you worked so you could live. You and I are not supposed to work for a living. What does that mean? Our job is our source. We get our money to live from our job. That means our job is our source. It also means we're limited to our annual income. What kind of house we can have, what kind of car we can have, what kind of stuff we can do, what kind of money we can give. We have to go back and look at our check and our annual income and that determines how I can live and what neighborhood I live in and what stuff I have and do because it's based on what I make. And you'll hear these people all the time talk about we can't afford this or we can't afford that. Who we can't afford that? Why? Man, I only make X amount of money. Why can't you have it? If God, your God, supplies all your needs, not according to your little job, but according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus, then what determines what you can have? His riches and your faith. That's the limiting factor. Not what you make. (sighs) Took us two nights to get here. This is the starting point. Do not assume you have this. Do not think, oh yeah, I know that. I've been knowing it. Do you now? Then why you still get sticker shock? Why do you look at stuff and go, oh, how much? Whew, uh, we can't have that. Don't look at that. Why can't you have it? Why can't you? I remember when uh, the Lord dealt with Phyllis and I to believe for an airplane. Now, I grew up in the country. I didn't know anybody. None of my family flew. None of my family even flew a commercial. I'm serious. None of my immediate family had ever been on an airplane. I mean, we didn't have an indoor toilet till I was in my teens. Uh, nothing to feel sorry about. That's just where we were. We had a good life, though. Don't misunderstand. Good life. A lot more to life than money. A lot more. But God wants you to have the money, too. And God began to deal with us, believe for an airplane and pay cash for it. We've been in the ministry for, what, 10 years, something like that? Now, man, that just seemed impossible. And with the money that we were making, I mean, we'd go hold meetings and wouldn't have enough money left over for gas to get home. And you're going to believe for an airplane and pay cash for it? Just seemed impossible. But we worked on our faith. What determines if I can have it or not? If I can beg enough people to sow money? Huh? No. What determines? 
You can borrow and you can work. That's natural. I'm not saying that's bad. But there is a higher way. I said there's a higher way. There is a way of God. It is the way of faith. It is the way of sowing a seed. And believing God for a harvest. And not being moved by how big it is. And believing all things are possible to him that believes. That takes you beyond the realm of your salary. Beyond the economies of the earth. And now anything is possible. If you will believe. So we sowed our seed and we claimed and we sowed our seed and we claimed. I knew I'd have to see it and I'd close my eyes and try to see me flying an airplane. I mean, I couldn't see it. We were friends with the Copelands and he was so encouraging. I'd go down and he'd say, get up in my airplane and make airplane noises. (laughs) So I'd get up in his and hold on to the yoke and go, you know. And I'd close my eyes and I'd try to see. You know, he was trying to help me. He knew what was going on with me. You know, I got to get this in me. And so I would get out and I'd look at that thing and I'd get up in it and I'd do it again. And so I'd close my eyes and try to see me and Phyllis in an airplane flying. And sure enough, there was the airplane and it was taking off and it began to climb away. And uh, me and Phyllis was on the ground waving at him. And uh, it was Brother Kenneth and Miss Gloria. I thought, no, 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 no. I got to be in the airplane. And so I, I would feed my faith and exercise my faith and confess and think about it and talk. You got to meditate. I said, you got to meditate until you can see it happening. You can see it. And eventually, glory to God, eventually I got to the place where we could see it. I could close my eyes. That was me. That was me. I'm actually driving this thing. I look back there. Who's that? Lo and behold, it's Phyllis with a Perrier. Hey, baby, what you, uh, you having fun? Oh, uh, this is nice. Yeah, I'm going to make another pass over here. Boom. It wasn't, it wasn't a year after that. We had one in the hangar paid for. Well, man, that was exciting. It was a small, single engine. Nice. Single engine paid for. And I mean, it wasn't right along in that time. The Lord dealt with both of us. Claim a jet. Now, by this time, I found out a couple of things about aviation. Like, they have little pieces on them that's about this big that cost $30,000. And like when you'd pull up to the pump and say, fill her up. <laughs> you better have more than a $20 bill. <laughs> and uh, I'm thinking, you know, boy, this stretched us all we knew how to stretch. Now, let's stop right here, though. If we stay where we are, what will happen to us? We will start moving back. What do we have to do? We have to move forward. And the Lord's helping us. He said, claim a jet. I thought, Lord, a jet. Brother Mac Hammond, the Lord had dealt with him to fly Brother Hagen around to his meetings for a year. Sow it to him. So we were with them, so we're flying. I'm a pilot, so I'm riding up in the jump seat with him. One day we got off at a place, and I hadn't told anybody else, just Phyllis and I. And he owned airplanes, owned his own business. He knew about this. He knew what a stretch it was for somebody where I was at the moment to go from where I was to go to a jet, both the size of our ministry, me as a pilot, all of that just was huge stretch. So I asked him, I said, Brother Mac, the Lord's dealing with me about this. I wouldn't have told just anybody. 
and some things that he dealt with me to have it to help people with in certain situations, which just sounded ridiculous. I'm so glad. He looked at me. Of course, he knew better than I did how impossible it was in the natural. But he looked at me and he said, Keith, you can have anything you can believe for. Anything. I said, yes, I can. Yes, I can. And within a year and a half, a jet was sitting in the hangar paid for. Glory. And we used it. There were times when we were able to help other ministers and go when they were in a place and needed to be relocated. We were able to use it just like he said we would. As well as for our own stuff. What am I saying? If you'd have looked at our finances... And what we were doing, we'd go out with meetings uh, with the Hagans. And it was their meetings. We're just going to help them. So we're not in our meetings. Income's not coming in for our stuff. We're sowing towards theirs. For weeks at a time, we'd go back home and they hand me a bill for $50,000 on this jet. And you're thinking, the devil would say, you can't afford this. To me, that's like cussing. <laughs> right? You can't. I mean, I'd go out and do a meeting. And the offering was $1,000. And I burn $8,000 of fuel. Getting there and back. And the devil will say, what are you doing? But see, I saw it was seed to sow. I saw if I'm going to get to the place where I can do other things and where I can help other people, I can't look at money. I can't be led. And you get into that. Well, if you go over here, they may only give you this. What's that got to do with it? They're not my source. If he says go, you go. Right? And I'm telling you again and again, we'd get back home. We weren't making money. We were sowing money. And here comes a check for $50,000. Here comes a check for $100,000. Here comes this. And we did not lack. We did not want. And when it came time to step up to the next thing, everything was right in place. If I looked at our finances, can we afford to have this? The answer would have been, are you kidding? Are you kidding? But what determines what I can have? What determines what you can have? I was at a brother's church a few years ago and I pulled up and there's this bright red Ferrari sitting there. I mean, this thing is gorgeous. This is a new looking Ferrari. You know, those things are super high. I figured, well, the pastor got him a new Ferrari. A lot of folk don't like that. I thought it was great. Yeah. And uh, I said, brother, is that your car? He said, no, that's my associate's. He said, yeah. I said, what? He said, he just believed God for the thing and he got it. <laughs> now, some people will try to tell you, well, the guy that's the janitor or the guy that works the outside or the guy that works this, you know, he can't have the big stuff because that's just not his place. Don't you believe it. It's a lie. If God's got you janitoring, that doesn't have anything to do with where you can live and what you can drive and what you can have. And what a character that you come out of a mansion and you drive your Ferrari to the church and clean toilets. What? A testimony. Everybody knows you don't have to do it. See, I only station in life stuff. My lot in life. My station. Well, they don't pay me enough to do that, Brother Keith. They are not your source. Never were, never will be. Let's go over it again slowly now. 
How can you get what you want or need? You could beg for it. Not us. We're believers and believers don't beg. You could try to win it. That's a waste of time. There's a reason why casinos make so much money. And because everybody's winning. Right? And what else could you do? You could buy you a big pistol. We've already established. Bible says don't do that. If you did it, don't do it anymore. What else could we do? We could work, work, work. We could work five jobs. We could borrow money from everybody. And get it. Hmm? And it takes a certain amount of faith to believe that you'll have money and to believe for the payment. It takes faith, you know. But there's another way. There's another way. There's a higher way that sinners don't do. Right? Unbelievers, they'll work three jobs and borrow and pay it back. But they don't do this. They do not sow seed in the kingdom of God. They do not sow seed and claim a harvest and believe God to do it for them. They don't do that. That's the best way, that's the highest way, and God's calling us to it. Can you hear it in your spirit? He's calling you up to this. He's called, come on, step up, he's saying. Step up, step up. Quit working down here in the mire. Quit living in the wilderness. Come on up, come on up, come on up to Canaan's land and live by faith and live in the land of milk and honey and live by sowing and reaping and have anything that you can believe for. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Oh, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. Come on, let's praise Him some. Lord, we bless you. Oh, we bless you. 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 Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Yeah, brother, uh, Leroy Thompson, <laughs> he and his boys were somewhere looking at something. They had a little airplane there flying in, and there was this nice one over this big one. Because he's a big man. And this one you can stand up in. The other one he's having a hunch over, you know. He walked over. He looked at it. He looked at his boys. And you know how he talks. He said, why we can't have one of these? That's a good question. Why we can't have one of these? What does that mean? Why? You know what he's flying in now? One of them? Why can't we have one? You need to be asking yourself that all the time. You see something nice. You see something better. You see somebody do something great for the kingdom of God. You need to say, why can't I do that? Why can't I have one? Why can't I do that? What's the answer? You can. We came to this place. We looked it over. It looked a little big to start a church in. Some people thought it strange. They said, well, how big is your congregation? They said. We said, well... At the moment, nobody. I spent a couple of nights with a calculator and couldn't figure it out. What if only three people comes? 
What if this and that? Had people call concerned. Brother Keith, you got a good ministry. You got more places you can get to. Why do you want to do that? You go up there, bro, you fall on your face, it'll make you look bad. I guess they were trying to encourage me. I don't know. <laughs> Finally, I, was, I told a friend of mine, something came up about it. And I said, well, I said, you should hear from God before you do anything. You should hear from God. And that's all we've been doing is praying and seeking God about this deal. I said, but I'm a man. We could miss it. I said, but I would rather go out and fall flat on my face and just flop. Endeavoring to step out and believe God and obey God than to sit back and do nothing and play it safe. Afraid of what somebody might think. So we thought, why can't we start a church in here? Why can't we start in a big place? Why can't we do it? And praise God, it worked. I said, it worked. It worked. It worked. And it's all paid for. Glory to God. If you only knew how little money we had when we started. When we started, how little? I mean, it came, the money to even start the deal. Some of it was wired the very day we closed. Step by step, everybody say step. Step by step. Every time something would come up, we'd just take another step and just keep expecting and just take another step and take it. If you wait until it comes in, then you're going to do it. You're walking beside, it's not going to work. Say it out loud. Why can't we have one? Why can't we do that? What's the answer? You can. What determines what you can have? It's not your little job. It's not what somebody decided to pay you. What is it? What is it? It's these unlimited resources and riches of God and glory. And it is your faith. That's it. That's it. That's it. Lift your hands. Come on. Let's praise Him some more. Father. Thank you for getting us to this higher place. Thank you for lifting us up. Thank you for feeding our spirit. Thank you for feeding our faith. Thank you for feeding our vision. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.